This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Like I said, they told me I was supposed to be funny tonight, which is weird because, you know, I'm so very quiet and, uh, and calm and reserved. And in fact, I said to Joe today, I said, half the time I feel like I'm a stand-up comic. But today I can't think of one funny thing to say. So that's why I brought Gene to put him on display tonight. you I love you I do uh, but I do feel like and, and now where's this countdown clock I'm supposed to watch is somebody gonna throw something you know one time I went to I can't see that darling uh, <laughs> they're holding a sign up to me you know I went to this church one time and I told the pastor there I said um Apostle Bachman, you know, you've got to give me a sign when it's time for me to be quiet. I said, so when we get to that point, why don't you just give me a two hands up, and I know I've got 10 minutes to wrap it up, shut up, and get out. He said, okay, Velda, I'll do that. So I'm just a preaching and a teaching, and he holds his hands up, and I said, glory to God, Apostle is agreeing with me, raising it. Never even dawned on me. He was trying to tell me to shut up. So y'all just have to really get my attention attention. But I really do feel like the Lord had something he wanted me to say to you tonight. And if you want to laugh at it, you go right ahead. You're laughing at God, but then you know God laughs at us. Did y'all know God has a sense of humor? If you don't believe it, look at your next door neighbor and tell him, say, look at me. God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> but this seems like a strange place to go to start off a healing conference, but I'm going over to Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to remind you that everything was well and good in the Garden of Eden until, you know, there's an old song, and then along came John. Anybody in here old enough to have ever heard that? I got a few honest folks in the house tonight. And so everything was good until along came Satan, got a hold of Eve, deceived her, got her to agree to, you know, be disobedient to the Word of God. And then, of course, we know Adam was standing right there. He wasn't going to leave that pretty girl God had made for him. Come on. And so, anyway, then they eat of the forbidden fruit. You know the story. If you don't, go read the book of Genesis. And uh, so by the time we get to uh, chapter 3, whew, things are not good. They ate of what God told them not to eat. But then they couldn't just be left there. You remember God put them out of the garden? But in uh, Genesis chapter 3, we'll look at verse 22. It said, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. He drove out the man and placed him in the east of garden. And then, verse 24, then, after he had done that, he placed cherubims with a flaming sword that turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What did he do? He denied them access to the tree of life. 
so they can no longer have eternal life. In other words, I could put it this way. They were damned. They had no eternal life. They would die physically. They would die mentally, emotionally. But more importantly, they would die spiritually separated from God. And since then... Because sin entered into the earth, as the scriptures tell us, by one man, Adam. Sin entered into the earth. And because of sin, death entered into the earth. And man was doomed to have to live under the curse of sin and death for all eternity. But God, but God... Man, if we will ever wake up and understand the compassion, the mercy, and the grace of God and how much he wants us to live and not die, how much he wants fellowship with us. He does not want to be estranged from us. He loves us with a love we cannot comprehend. And so I'm going to steal this quote. How many of you in here ever knew Dr. Fuchsia Pickett? Good one. You, yes, yes, yes. Phenomenal woman of God. And the other day I went back and picked up one of her books. And I said, Dr. Pickett, thank you because I'm stealing your quote. <laughs> She's gone on to heaven. She don't care. But anyway, this is what she wrote. She says, the tree of life was hidden from man. So they could not eat eternally of it and live. Death had entered the earth, and when sin entered the earth, death brought forth its consequences. Actually, that's the part I'm writing. But then I added in this, hope was gone and fear was wrought. However, Dr. Pickett wrote, the tree of life was replaced on a hill called Golgotha. We call the tree the cross. Isn't that beautiful? The penalty was called upon man. He was found guilty. But the Redeemer paid the price and regained all benefits, rights, and blessings once again through the tree of life. Isn't that precious? And so my question to you tonight and my teaching tonight is simply this. Is it too good to be true? Is that statement too good to be true? when we were blocked and stopped from ever having eternal life again, but that God would replant a tree of life, but the tree of life would only blossom and bloom if death took place on it. The consequences of sin is always death, whether physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Once that tree was planted, before it could bloom, before it could blossom, before it could reproduce, there would have to be death. And Jesus is the one that died on that tree of life called the cross and brought us back into eternal reconciliation with the Father that we too may have life once again. Is that too good to be true? It sounds too good to be true, but you got to know who God is. You got to know how wonderful He is. You got to know how marvelous He is. You've got to know how loving and compassionate and merciful He is. Just like even right now, He said, There's somebody here and you've really been having a lot of pain in your knee, but if you'll trust me tonight, you won't leave here with it. That's just God. That's just God. If that's you, go ahead, lay your hand on your knee and say, God, I believe and therefore I receive. 
Romans 8 reminds us that it was by one man's disobedient that many, many sinners were produced and suffered the punishment of death. But by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. And that one was Jesus. Does that sound too good to be true? One man. Listen to me. It only takes one sometimes. It only takes one tonight to believe God. It only takes one tonight that, to believe that the Spirit of God is abounding in this place. It only takes one tonight to believe that the healing power of God is being poured out and that the glory of God is manifest in this place tonight. Not just for me, not just for pastors, but for each and every one of you who will believe and receive. And once that one will believe and receive, it can ignite a flame called the flame of faith and it will spread like wildfire and others will believe and others will receive and we can all leave differently than we came. Now that's worth a hallelujah, glory to God and thank you Jesus if anything ever was. Amen? Too good to be true. I listened to the statements. When Jesus came and he walked upon the face of the earth, his ministry had three components. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. He had to teach people because people are ignorant. He had to preach because they're hard-headed. <laughs> you know what you can't get across through teaching? Sometimes you just got to go to preaching. Am I telling the truth, Pastor? I am. And then after that, after he had sort of tilled the soil for faith to arise and for people to truly believe, then he could heal. You know it. I don't even have to tell you. There was only one place, one time he could not heal all because Jesus healed them all except in his own hometown. And that's the problem with some of you. You said, but this is my hometown. These are my people. I know them. I go to church with them. What have they got to say that I need to heal? That's why they brought in an outsider. You know, because those people that knew Jesus said, who's he? He's just the carpenter's son. He's got rough hands. He works with wood. Who is he? They didn't want to hear from him and missing the greatest benefit and blessings of their lives. Sometimes it's the ones you least expected. It only takes one to bring the word that you need to hear from God. But as Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing, remember in John 10.10, he gave a word. And I'm reading it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, a thief only has one thing in mind. He comes to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But, don't you love it when God puts a but in there? But I have come to give you everything. Say everything. In abundance, more, say more, more than you expect, life in its fullest until you overflow. How many of you could use life to its fullest until you overflow? How many of you would like to be so overflowing with life that people walk past you and go, what is that about you? I like it when they say, you don't look your age and you don't act your age. I go, I know. My kids tell me every day I'm getting more childish. <laughs> I don't like broccoli. And you can't make me eat it if you make me sit at the table all night. So there. No. <laughs> but listen, it don't, I mean, can you honestly, does that sound too good to be true? 
that you can be so overflowing with the life and the power and the healing power of God that people walk past you and they are shocked and astonished and want to go, what is that? And then you have the perfect opportunity to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you how he brought back, restored the tree of life so that you might live and not die. And not just live here, but live eternally with him. Is that too good to be true? No. How do I know that? Because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he repents. And if he said it, glory to God, that settles it. And Jesus said that I could have it. And if Jesus said I can have it, I'm not going to let the devil stop me and prevent me from taking it. Do you hear me? Some of y'all, this is what I just got. I just heard it said some of y'all need to get some gumption. You've been afraid to reach out. And I can tell you why, because you don't want to be disappointed. I know people that have believed for healing and they didn't get it. You don't know anything. You only know what they said. Have I suffered the heartache and the pain of seeing people that told me, swore on their Bible that they believed that by the stripes of Jesus they were healed and then they had the darn gone audacity to die? Leaving me heartbroken, disappointing, questioning, where was God? Where was God? Am I the only one ever been there and done that? No. And only to find out later on they've been home making all their funeral arrangements, calling the funeral home. I got any funeral directors here tonight? No. We have one in our church. Got two, actually. And so you call the funeral home and say, listen, don't tell anybody, but I'm going to die. I know I am because the doctor said I am. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to order a lot of pink lights. So when they shine down on my casket, I look more alive than dead. Did you know that's what they do? You ever gone to a funeral home and noticed all the pink lamps have pink globes on them? Pink lights in them to help you make you look better. Who wants to look in it? You ever heard anybody walk up to a coffin and go, my, they look bad. They don't say that. What do they say, Pastor? They look pretty good. They look good. Look better dead than they did alive. (laughs) You lie, you fry. It's the pink lights. You know, I heard a story one time of somebody had a really pretty purple dress. I don't know if she bought it. Somebody gave it to her, an expensive, beautiful dress. And every time an event came up, they'd say, why don't you wear your purple dress? No, I'm saving it for a special occasion. No, I'm saving it. Well, she finally got it. They buried her in it. You better go home and wear that pretty dress. <laughs> I don't know how I got there. But any rate, here's the deal. Jesus said that we could have life, have it more abundantly. He said we could have it till it was overflowing. And so if you're sick, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, even if you are facing death, and Jesus tells you, listen, you better listen to me. Jesus didn't say these things just for a general audience. He talks to us personally and individually. Amen? When Jesus says, I came that you... Why don't you put your name in there? Peggy, I came for you. Agnes, I came for you. Come on. 
Elaine, I came for you. Whoever. Pastor Bob, I came for you. That you could have life and have it more abundantly. Make it personal. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If you don't, you need to get one and we can stop right now and have a salvation service. But you got to know that every word that he speaks in here, he's speaking to you on a personal level because he loves you. He cares about you. He died on that cross that you could have eternal life. My goodness, what a God we serve. But what does it have mean to have life that is so abundant and overflowing? It means it overspills. It runs over. It's like putting water in a cup and you overfill it and it overruns its boundaries. The river that overruns its boundaries and it spreads out and it touches things and people around it. Do you want that kind of life? Does that sound too good to be true? No, because that's what Jesus said we could have. Quit. I wish you'd quit talking to me. He said to tell you, I don't know who you are. He said to tell you to quit making plans to die. You think because of the age and stage of life you're in that you need to be making plans to die. And he just said to tell you to stop it. Don't do it. Make plans to live and not die. Amen. Why? So you can live and give God the glory. Amen. There's a purpose in healing, y'all. It goes beyond just feeling better, being out of pain, doing the things you couldn't do. I mean, go to Augusta. Ask Tiger Woods. Why did he get healed? So he could come back and play golf. Anybody know who Tiger Woods is? <laughs> Whew, I was worried there for a minute. You must not be from Augusta, Georgia, where the Masters golf course is. I mean, golf tournament's going on right now. But is that a real reason to get healed? It's a good reason, but is it the best reason? Or is it the reason that you can say, let me tell you? I was not, not knocking at death's door and saying, let me in, let me in. But God... One word from God, Psalms 107. One word from God can snatch you back from the threshold of death. And then you can live and give God all the glory. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. That overflowing. And, you know, so many times I'm asked, well, you know, what's the biggest hindrance you see to healing? And always, you know, I would just say, well, I, I guess it's ignorance because they don't know what the Word says. Because Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And we stop right there. But, you know, one day I realized, I said, you know, God, I, I've been looking at this. And, you know, people aren't really all that ignorant. What's the problem? He said, finish reading the Scripture. You reject knowledge. We can stand here and tell you all day and all night that by the stripes of Jesus Christ you are healed, that you can live and not die. So now you cannot claim ignorance, but you can sure reject the knowledge. And so I said, well, God, if ignorance is that the problem, what is? He said, it's real simple. It's called unbelief. And you say, well, I believe God. Oh, really? Who do you believe God the most? I mean, who do you believe the most? God, your doctor, your CAT scan, your lab reports. 
How many of you call it my diabetes, my heart disease? Come on, I hope none of you. We tend to claim our sicknesses and treat them like a pet puppy or a bunny rabbit, whatever you got. <laughs> no, uh-uh. God never intended for us to live that way. We're supposed to know that we can be free of it. And the only way we can do it is by faith because the Bible teaches us anything and everything we get from God is by faith. So it's unbelief. If you ever read Mark 11, if you brought your Bibles, and I hope you did, you know, we were, I was just talking to our son last night. We were so excited to be up here in the Memphis area where he and our daughter-in-law live. And... Um, we had dinner with him last night, and he was saying that he was watching reruns of an old TV show called um, Night Court. Anybody ever watch that old TV show, Night Court? Yeah, I'm really telling my age tonight. I don't, I don't know, but I'm telling his too, so I guess that's all right. But in Mark 11, thanks to Dr. Hagen, you know, he wrote this scripture, so we've been taught almost, right? In Mark 11... When he's talking over here, and um, what scripture? 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. Thank you. And then he said, For truly I say unto you that whosoever, I got any whosoever's in the house tonight? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, what's the mountain? The diabetes, the cancer, the arthritis, the pancreatitis, the congestive heart failure, the liver function. Come on, whatever is your mountain, what does he say to do to it? Say to it. What did I say? He said, rise up, stand up, speak up. Hallelujah. Speak to your mountain and tell it, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and then shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Then he shall have whatsoever he saith. It's right there. It's if you believe or if you don't believe. Can you speak to the pain and tell it to get off your body and have an expectation that it will live, live, leave? Is that too good to be true? What about Jesus in his ministry when he began to go around teaching and preaching and healing and curing every form of sickness, disease, affliction, infirmity, known and unknown? Do you know how I know that they had unknown diseases? They hadn't named them because it says diver diseases. That only means we don't know what to call it. You got it. Too bad, too sad, but we haven't named it yet. Nowadays, they name everything. I read sometimes the medical journals, and I go, what in the world is that? They've invented new diseases. No, they didn't invent them. They finally just named them. That's all. There's nothing new under the heavens and the earth. Don't be fooled by what you hear. It's been there all along. It just hadn't been named or proclaimed yet. But Jesus went about. You remember when the um, woman of Canaan came to him and said, My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And uh, he told her, You know, too bad, too sad. I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. Y'all remember that? Because that's what it says in your Bible. Too bad, too sad. Y'all lie. You know it don't. That's only in the Velda translation. But anyway, the Lord listened to her plea. And next thing you know, it said her daughter was made whole from that very 
hour. And what did Jesus tell her? Woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. That's what faith is. Simply believing nothing's too big, nothing's too hard, nothing's too difficult for God. It's never giving up. It's saying, look, I might be down, but I'm not defeated. I'm coming back up, and I'm coming up better than I was before. Glory to God. What about the man with the withered hand that he couldn't stretch forth his hand? And all Jesus said was, stretch forth thine hand, and it came forth. Is that too good to be true, or did it happen? Either you believe the Bible or you don't. What about when Jesus spoke to the paralyzed man and said, Get up, pick up your sleeping pad and go to your house. And he did it. Is that too good to be true? You ever seen a paralyzed person get up and walk? I have. Have you ever seen a blind person see? I have. Have you ever seen a deaf person hear? I have. And I'm, I know my time's up, so i got to shut up. But anyway, just this past week, we had a couple that came to the healing center, and uh, we were actually going to be ministering to one of the parents, and, and God wouldn't leave me alone. He kept saying, there's something about ears here. There's something about ears. So I called people forth that might have ear problems, ear pressure, ear pain, ear something. And, and I prayed for a few people, and they got what they needed. And I started to walk away, and God said, I told you, ask something about someone with an ear problem. And I looked over, and here's this precious little girl, about 10 or 11 years old. And I looked at her, and I called her by name. And I said, honey, is, is that you? Yes, ma'am. Oh, she was so pretty and so polite and so sweet. And I said, have you got an ear problem? Yes, ma'am. I said, well, what's your problem, darling? She said, I've been deaf in my ear, my left ear, since I was born. I said, you believe Jesus can heal you? Yes, ma'am. I said, okay, we're going to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil, and you're going to hear. And so we did. And I had one of the girls working with me. I said, now you plug up her other ear so she can't hear anything. And I began to back away from her. And I'd call her by name, and I'd say, can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Do you know by the stripes of Jesus you are healed? Yes, ma'am. Her hearing was totally restored. Is that too good to be true? No, because let me tell you why. God's a good God, and he loves you, and he cares about you, and he desires good things for you. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Well, would you all help me welcome our next speaker? You know, most of you know him well. He's the founder of this church, Church of the Harvest, uh, anointed man of God. He is full of joy. He's full of the anointing. And would you help me welcome Pastor Bob Thomas? Thank you. It's great to be here. And um, uh, I really uh, appreciate the... Uh, the word we just heard, is it too good to be true? You know, it's one of the questions I kind of had as a kid. But, but first, Joe said make sure to make it fun. So I, there's something I need to read first. 
Now, I, I thought about, since I, I just usually do one, I thought about doing several. She said just, maybe I'll keep it at, at one, I, I don't know. But this is actually a true story. It is, it is. <laughs> George Phillips, an elderly man, was going up to bed when his wife told him he had left the light on in their shed, which, and she could see the light from their bedroom. So George opened the back door to go turn the light off and saw that there was people in his garden shed stealing things. He called the police. The dispatcher asked, Sir, is someone in your house? No, but there's people in my garden shed stealing things. The dispatcher said, Sir, all betrothed are busy right now. You should lock your doors and the officer will be there when one is available. He said, okay. Hung up the phone and counted to 60. Then he phoned the police again. Hello, sir. I just spoke to you a minute ago about people in my garden shed stealing things. Well, you don't have to worry about it now because I just shot and killed them both. And the dogs are eating them right now. And hung up. Within four minutes, four police cars, a SWAT team, a helicopter, two fire trucks, a paramedic, an ambulance showed up at the Phillips address and caught the two intruders in the garden shed. One officer said to George, I thought you said you shot them. George said, I thought you said no one was available. I've been told that it's a true story. Now, the moral of the story is don't mess with old people. <laughs> I'm excited about this weekend because I know that when we focus on the Lord and we have some time to really get in the Word, that things happen, things change in our lives, our mindsets change. And we're believing for miracles and signs and wonders and even notable miracles. Say notable. So I was thinking that, you know, about focusing on the Lord. And maybe you've seen this illustration. Everybody put your finger up. And once you go clockwise, and this is the way, you know, God's up there. Everything's... Going good. What are y'all doing? Y'all look pretty funny. No, no. No, keep doing it. Keep doing it. When your eyes are on the Lord, everything is going good like a clock. But bring it down to yourself right here and notice you just change directions. You're going counterclockwise. You lost your focus. When we look to ourselves... We can lose focus off of Jesus. He'll do it every time. I've done it a bunch of times. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching 
Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Say, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, he's teaching the Pharisees and these teachers of the law, this was not a, a welcoming crowd. They were critical. They were looking for things to criticize Jesus about. And there was a lot of unbelief in the house. Everybody agree? But the presence or the power of the Lord was present to heal. No one's getting healed in the house, but the power was there. Someone had to tap in to that power to receive. And I can remember as a kid, I wondered about all the stories I heard in Sunday school. All these stories of what God was doing and what Jesus had done. And I asked my parents, I said, is this true? Does God still do these things? And they kind of hem home around and said, well. And finally, I, I cornered them and they said, no. See, we've got the Bible now. I said, I know we've got the Bible. That's where I'm reading from. And they said, no, the, the, the Bible is here, so God doesn't do that anymore. And something didn't sit right with me even as a kid. I'm, that didn't make sense to me. Why would this God of love say, uh, everything stops? You know, the, the Bible's here, so no more healing, no more freedom, no more abundant life. It just didn't make sense. Then we had this man in the church who had a brain tumor, and he got healed. And I remember everybody was so excited. Everybody's rejoicing at this, thinking this was the coolest thing. But I asked my parents, I said, how did this happen? Because I, I didn't think Jesus healed anymore. That's what they told me. And he said, well, you know, some people were praying. I said, well, what were they praying if God doesn't do this? My mind was just, and they're just backing up. Oh, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> but it was just on me. And they said, well, God does it sometimes. He does. So it's like, wow, who could be that sometime? But aren't you glad that we're all a candidate for healing? <laughs> he leaves no one out. But this question just really was, was on me. And I, I wondered, why did God pick that one? Because there was other people that needed healing. I could see they needed healing. But why did God pick this special one? And then you start thinking about, you've got to do something to earn this because they were the one, what did they do? What did you do? 
course, now I know it's a gift. It's a gift from God. It's in the new creation package. We got a health plan. I mean, it's paid for in full. It's available for anyone and everyone. But anyway, when I was 12 years old, I accepted the Lord. I was water baptized, accepted the Lord. And I can remember still thinking about the stories I would hear in Sunday school about the miracles and the healings. And we had a guy come to the church. Maybe heard of him, Don Flinto. Anybody ever heard that name? He must not have been in the church I was in. <laughs> Did you say yes? Yes. yes. You're the one, lucky winner. No. <laughs> Great. No. Don Flinto um, came to church, and he talked about being in Africa and coming face-to-face -face with a lion. And he used the name of Jesus on that lion. He said, in the name of Jesus, you go. And said it walked right up to him and took a right and left. And I'll never forget. I still remember it now. So it just, it's some, something that excited me on the inside. There's something powerful about the name of Jesus. He's still doing miracles. That was a miracle. What had happened? Why did this happen? I found out uh, just a few years back, really, he got spirit-filled, and he is uh, in Nashville uh, ministering, big, big church there. Uh, actually, Heather Shepherd and, I mean, no Heather, remember Heather moved to Nashville? Yeah, she uh, sees Don and, and goes to his church. Anyway... So this happened at 12 years old. I, I kind of got away from um, my fascination with the miracles and stuff, and sports came into play. And sports became number one by far. I mean, it was, it was everything to me. Uh, I played basketball. The trouble I had with basketball, I'd always sprain my ankles. And... Uh, I was one of those guys that I wrapped up both ankles and wore these high-top Converse tennis shoes every time I played basketball. I went, I, I wore glasses. I went through so many pairs of glasses. It's nuts. And I, I always had this, this problem, and I couldn't figure out why. But I was bandaged up enough I could hold it together pretty good without hurting myself. So me and a, a friend were, I, I, I'll just tell you what a fanatic I was, just to give you a picture, because when I say I was sports, I was watching the Memphis Tigers play the national championship game, I believe it was 1973, against UCLA. Anybody in here watching with me? Never mind. Where are you folks? Okay. There's a few. Never. It was like the Memphis Tigers were in the national championship, Robert. I mean, this is a big deal. 
so excited. And uh, we got some calls that went against us. I think those of you that did watch the game would agree with some very obvious calls against the Memphis Tigers. I have forgiven the ref. There was one ref that was out to get us. I, I don't know what the deal was. But there was a call that was just outrageously wrong. I jumped up, knocked my chair into our fish aquarium. It breaks the aquarium. It's a hole. It's gushing out. My wife says, are, are you going to get that up? I said, after the game. <laughs> Our marriage didn't last very long. I wonder why. You can laugh. <laughs> I would say, thank you. Thank you for that laugh. <laughs> so anyway... I still had this, this desire. Actually, it was during uh, my divorce that I really started seeking God. And sometimes you get pretty low to look up. And I, I started really reading the Bible and getting back close to God. And I can remember uh, reading the book by Corey Tim Boone, The Hiding Place. Anybody? Read that. A few of you have read that. Well, she wrote a, a sequel. I forgot the name of the sequel. Do you know the name? No. She wrote a, a sequel, and she went back to the concentration camp where she uh, served um, in prison, and her sister, Betsy, died. And she went back there to preach. And she hid, uh, in case you don't know, Jews... Uh, when the Nazis were uh, looking for them, they had been caught hiding the Jews and imprisoned. And her sister had died. And it was very rough when you, you read what they went through. But they kept their faith in the Lord. But she went back to this concentration camp, and she's preaching the gospel. And she sees in the back the man who was over the camp the one who was responsible for murdering, really, her sister. And after the service, notice he was making a beeline right for her. She whispered one of those prayers, quick prayers inside. Lord, you're going to have to give me love for this man. And she said immediately she was engulfed by the love of God. For the that he had for this man. And this man came, he reached out his hand, and he goes, Isn't it great that God forgives? And she knocked his hand to the side, put the biggest hug on him, said, It's wonderful that God forgives. Well, I knew then that I needed to do some forgiving. I needed to release my ex wife. And it, it wasn't a hard choice. I'm going to do this. So I forgave her. And I told the Lord I was sorry to hold unforgiveness against anyone. Because who am I? Who am I 
to even be in that place when you've shown so much mercy and so much goodness to me. And at that moment, I heard the Lord speak, and he said, hey, Bob. And when he said, hey, Bob, I, I looked up, and I didn't say a person, but someone took oil and poured on my feet. It was real warm, and it was all I can say, it was liquid love. He poured it on my feet all the way over my head, and I was saturated in the love of God. And I've never been the same since then. So what did I do? I did a lot of things that I would have done differently. That was on the Thursday. I stayed up all night. I went straight to work. I'm telling people. I told my best friend, and he looks at me. He gave me a look like, what in the world? <laughs> and anyway, it didn't matter. I mean, the sky was blue. The birds were singing. I, <laughs> it didn't matter. I came in that Monday, the next, the next Monday, and my friend is lit up the way I was on that Friday. I said, what's going on? He said, come here. He takes him to a conference room. He's going, you've got to hear this. And he tells me that he was, uh, went to a Baptist church and loved the Lord, less loving. Anyway, he said during Sunday school that his pastor was teaching, one of the questions he got was, have you ever heard God speak to you? He said, yes. They said, well, what did he say? Hey, Wilbur. <laughs> I had my best friend back. Thank you, Jesus. God loves us. That unconditional love. But anyway, what I was getting to before I took the detour, when I came back to the Lord, that, that drawing to healing and miracles was there. And me and my friend were playing golf up at Alderman Park. And we hit a, a golf ball that went across the street. And there was a sign and it says, healings in the miraculous meeting, something like that. And I've been telling the Lord, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. So my friend and I decided we were going to go that night. So we're there. And it's the first time we've been in any kind of service like that. We didn't, you know, understand a lot of stuff. But we knew that God was there. So we listened and everything. And then the speaker, he stopped, and he, he comes over to me. He said, can I pray for you? I said, yes. So I shut my eyes. He said, open your eyes, because the Lord interrupted me and told me that you wanted to see a miracle, and you're off balance. I bet you've been springing your ankle a lot, haven't you? Yeah. 
I have. He said, sit down here. And he raised the legs up. How many have seen that? He raised them up and he said, I want you watching. And I watched my leg move. And I felt it for a couple hours later, the electricity in that leg. I stood up and for the first time I was balanced. I could actually, it was incredible. My friend, he had uh, a shoulder problem and he just walked over to him and says, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And his shoulder, he, said, he started moving it and it was healed. And then I knew for sure that God is still a miracle working God. He's still doing healings. He's still bringing breakthroughs. He's still setting people free. He's still restoring marriages. He's still the redeemer. He's still the one who is full of goodness and love for all humanity. He hasn't changed, but there's a lie out there that says it's all stopped. And it's nothing but a lie. The truth is, he's never stopped. How do we tap into that power? The power of the Lord is present to heal tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. Because all it takes is one believer coming that's full of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Why was the power of the Lord present to heal there? Because Jesus was there. But there was some that took advantage of this. It says in verse 18, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before them, before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. That was good news. I'll, I, how many remember MacGyver, the show? I think these friends were like MacGyverish. There's no way to get in. We're going to figure this out. And they go up on the roof and they just tear up the roof. And they come down and Jesus sees them. And he makes this declaration that this man, your sins are forgiven. How did that affect him? How many would think that would be good news? Well, for him, I believe it was especially Good news, because in Matthew 9, we have the same account. And Jesus said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And the Greek word there uh, for good cheer means be encouraged. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And the word forgiven there is the passive voice and perfect tense in the Greek. It means you received your forgiveness a long time ago. And you have been forgiven ever since. This man was carrying guilt. And he had called out to God to forgive him. And God had forgiven him. And Jesus saying, 
be encouraged. I have good news for you. Your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? Jesus perceived their thoughts and answered, saying, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? It's easier in our day to say your sins are forgiven than to rise up and walk. Everybody agree? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Jesus is saying there's a connection between the forgiveness of sins and sickness and disease. They were both paid for at the cross. The same blood bought your healing that bought your forgiveness of sins. It's the same price that was paid for both. The greatest miracle, yes, is having your sins forgiven. But I don't have to choose. I get, can have both because both are in the same package. He paid for both at the same time. And we want Jesus to get everything that he bought and purchased. I want him to be glorified. What about you? By him receiving everything that he bought and paid for. He said, where you can know that I have this power to forgive sins, I'm healing this man. Most of us are convinced that, that God has forgiven us. But you know, that's the guarantee of your healing. He linked them together. Because your sins are forgiven, that's a guarantee that healing is yours. If he heals, he forgives. If he forgives, he heals. And so we're both paid together. Every time someone receives healing, deliverance, breakthrough, a miracle, it speaks to us of Jesus' great salvation the price that was paid for us on the cross and brings honor and glory unto his name. It brings praise to God the Father. It brings honor to him who sent the Son. And every time we receive from God, we receive the benefits of this new covenant. Every time that we receive, we're giving honor to God and saying, yes, the cross is enough. Yes, it's more than enough. And yes, it's not a fable, but it is the truth. It is reality. And for all those that will say yes and take hold by faith, it'll be manifested in their heart and in their life and in their body. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He is the bondage breaker. He is the blind eye opener. He's the healer of our hearts, restorer of our souls. He's the youth renewal. He will renew your youth. He will renew your strength. I mean, say, I need a, a youth renewal. <laughs> My youth is being renewed. My strength is being renewed. Both forgiveness and healing speak of our salvation. Sickness is a result of sin in the earth. If sin has been forgiven, the power of sickness has been defeated. If Jesus dealt with the root, which is sin, he also dealt with the fruit which is sickness. If you cut off the root, 
the fruit is destroyed. He dealt with the root, and therefore he dealt with the fruit. So the root is sin, the fruit is sickness. Forgiveness of sin is spiritual healing. Healing of the body is manifestation of what God can do to heal you from a heart of sin. Healing is an outward proof that God forgives sin. The root of all sickness and disease is sin. When Jesus conquered sin at the cross, he also conquered the source of sickness and disease. You know, I forgot to look. Have you been motion? Oh. Sorry, I forgot. Joe will make up for it. Oh. I'm supposed to introduce Joe now. <laughs> Reverend Joe Rook. Take your deck down. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Earth suit. Earth suit. This is how I fight my battles. Y'all know where God Galatians 6 talks about what? The armor of God. Right? The armor of God. Right. What do you say? I can't hear you. Helmet of salvation. Oh, there you go. There we go. Helmet, Helmet of salvation. salvation. Armor of God. Yes. <laughs> what we got? Shoes. Shot, shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh huh. So, what is this? Shield of faith. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteous. Oh. My yes, salvation day. My name and salvation day. Look it. Oh. You put some work into this. Sword of the Spirit, which is. The word of God, praying always with all, all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Galatians 6, right? And what is this? Shield of, Shield of faith. And what does it do? Quenches how many? Every. All the fiery darts of the wicked, right? Does it do anything down here? It do something up here. What if Reverend... Velda Shearheart and Pastor Bob Thomas been telling you tonight about the word. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. That's why sometimes you will see people who will say, oh, yeah, I know God will heal me one day. Oh, yeah, I know I'm healed. And as uh, uh, Reverend Velda said, some of them pass on. And those of us have been praying for healing and believing, 
We find later a lot of times that they have mental assent. They know something, but they have no revelation knowledge of what's going on. So they never did anything with what they thought they knew. I'm here to tell you that Alzheimer's, dementia, Lewy body, Parkinson's, cancer, and every evil work is fleeing in terror as it flees and sets the captives free. I'm here to tell you hearing impairment and poor eyesight and knee pain and back pain has nothing against the power of God. If I can get you to see, this is what we look like armored up. This is what we look like armored up. The gospel of peace. Everywhere our feet go, the gospel of peace. Everywhere. What is it? Truth. Truth. We have truth around us. Would you know a lot of times our facts? The word is truth. And the truth, which is the word of God, will always change the facts if you get up you stand up and you speak it. You've got to get it from here to here. It's got to drop down from the head to into revelation knowledge for you to apply it, for it to be applicable. Listen, the Bible never said get old and get sick and die. It said live long and live strong. Live till you're satisfied. God said live till you're satisfied. You know, back in the day, they said the Israelites, you know, 70 or 80 years. But 70 or 80 years doesn't apply to us. That applied to a disobedient people. He said in Genesis, a year a man will be 120 of a life worth living. I don't know about you, but I do know about me. I don't want to be around here 120 years and not live in life. I don't even want to be around this age and not live in life. So if you've got something in your body, it's an enemy. It's an enemy. So I want to talk to you about spirit, soul, and body with the time I have left today. Spirit, soul, and body. If I can get you to get this concept, sickness and disease will never rule over you again, ever. And whatever is troubling your body and plaguing your body, you're going to have a new revelation, and God will pierce the darkness in some stuff and get through. So the scripture says this is we, we um, are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a earth suit, right? So this earth suit is necessary for us to be here, correct? Because otherwise, when we were born again, what would happen? It's like, oh, yeah, let's get born again and get out of here. That's not God's plan, is it? There's a plan and purpose. And before the foundation of the world, before anything was ever created that we know, and God did not create something out of nothing. Do you know that? God create the heavens, the earth, with what? With his word. Didn't he say that we are a speaking, we were created a speaking spirit? You look like God. You look like God. You look like God. I look like God. Well, we all look different. How is that possible? Because we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we live in an earth suit. When you talk to me, we see one another's earth suits, is what we see. But that is not me. Because you know what happens? When I get tired of being here and I want to go home, I get out of my earth suit. So do you. So does everybody else. I just, we just step out of the earth suit, and the earth suit does this thing right there. 
Absolutely nothing. Without you, there's no power in the earth suit. You are the power in the earth suit. And you know that God said if the same power, if, if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken, make alive your mortal body by his spirit. So where is that? That's in the real you. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Your spirit has been sealed if you're born again. Now, so we have to go back to a few basics. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in an earth suit. And so what does that mean? When we have an earth suit, this is what you see. I think I'm in my, okay. This is what you see, this earth suit. Everything that touches, we're the hands and feet of Jesus, right? So when he tells us to go, we go. And what we touch is we touch in for him, in him, through him, the spirit that lives inside of us, a real us, us, our spirit, it will push out the things of God or allow it to push out. It's not really right way to say that, to push it out. But let me go back to this. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and emotions. And you live in an earth suit. When we depart, the earth suit stays behind. We don't like it. We don't want it. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting a new one when I leave. You want to keep yours? Go for it. I'm not keeping mine. I get a brand new one. But what happens is we have something in between our spirit and us. What is it called? A soul. And what is the soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. So do you know that your body's here, your soul is here, and your spirit's inside? It's the innermost part of you. All right? So how does the spirit... Touch the body. Through the soul. That's the only way it can touch the body, right? Only through that. So if we look at it this way, we can call it a filter, can't we? Everybody have a heater or some kind in their house, right? And they always like you to have a very clean filter, correct? Why is it that they want you to have a clean filter? So air can flow? All right. Most people look like this filter. What is that? Your mind, your will, and emotions not being renewed to the Word of God. This is a clogged filter. So how much do you think of the spirit realm gets through when you have a filter like this? It's distorted, right? So with a clear filter, you can clearly hear the things of God, things come through the filter, and then the body is affected. Now let's talk about this filter for a minute. Because the soulish realm, where we belong, I didn't even think about having to do this and do the other, so you just have to bear with me a second if you don't mind. So when we remove the earth suit, I think I got it, and we won't do that. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> I'm a little crooked, but that's okay. All right, so between, I'm having difficulty. Can you tell? Praise God. 
Yeah, maybe so. Finally, I'll accept it. Thank you. What are you trying to do? I'm just trying to take off my soul. <laughs> okay. If I can get the soul off, we're good. Off. And I'm okay. Please and thank you. Do it right there, and I will do this, and we'll keep this part. All right. Put the belt back on. I'll be good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, the soulish realm. This little guy causes so stinking much trouble. I don't know what. You ever been called pig-headed, bull-headed? Um, have you ever been strong-willed? Any of that? Um, obstinate? I'm still challenged here, apparently. I may need more help. Okay, how's that? Is that better? No. Okay. I need help again, apparently. Terry's coming to the rescue. <laughs> it's, we're taping, so we want to we wanna have it right. I forgot about that little detail. So the soulish realm. Now, what happens when you're born again? What does it say? That we're a brand new creation created in Christ Jesus, right? We are brand new. Brand new, but nothing changed on the outside, right? How can you be brand new if nothing changed on the outside? What changed? Your spirit became brand new. So for those of you that don't know, let me tell you this. Your spirit's going to live forever. Going to live forever. You get an opportunity in this lifetime to choose where you're going to spend eternity. That's an eternal home. Eternity. A whole lot longer than a lifetime or two. It's eternity. But God gives you an opportunity, free will to choose for him or against him. And I will give you a hint. Choose for him because you do not want to spend eternity away from them. There's like three different types of death. And the spiritual death is being separated from God. But you're separated from God, your creator, forever and ever and ever when you choose against him in this lifetime. But choose for him, he says you spend eternity with him. Eternity with him. That's a much better thing. But how do you do that? This soulish realm is everything that decides. You decide. Pastor Kennedy always says, two against one always wins. All right. So your flesh says this. It says, um, oh, I hurt. I got a pain in my body. And your, your, your very dear friend or fellow uh, familia comes along and says, you know, remember Aunt Susie had that same problem and she thought she would be okay, but she was dead within two months. And then all of a sudden you go down to a friend over here and you said, you know, my Aunt Susie had this. There is heart disease in the family. And then my so-and-so had it and so-and-so had it and so-and-so had it. And I'll tell you what, by the time I'm 41, I'm going to have it too. And what do you think happens? So why do we think agreeing with the enemy and calling those things that be not as though they were in the enemy's camp, and then we get what we want, and then we say, oh, praise God, but God can heal me. God can heal me. Notice it's always in the future. God heal me in the future. He's going to do it someday. I have news for you. God's done everything he's ever going to do. Did it shock to anybody? God sent his word, healed you, delivered you from all your destruction. Where is the issue? 
in the soulish realm. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, you find out what God says and really, really easily agree. Not hard. See, most people, when you, how are you doing? Oh, you know, it's just been really, really tough. The devil's been after me. You know, well, anywhere I read the shield of faith is not back here. Is it? We, we are to take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, and we are to go forward. If the devil's chasing you, something's not right. Use your authority. Turn it around. Do what you need to do, but this shield of faith quenches all of the fiery darts of the wicked. I've seen darts, spiritual, meaning natural problems, come, and God has shown me a picture of how they land right before the shield. So some of them don't even make the shield, but the shield of faith is there for a purpose. So when you're in the spirit, so, okay, so you have the body. The body is the outward shell. So next time you look at your neighbor and you say, okay, in your thinking, look and say, okay, I'm, the, I'm looking at their outside shell. What is their spirit doing? What do they look like in the spirit? What are they saying? What are they doing? Is their voice lining up with the spirit? Is your voice, is the better thing, is your voice lining up with the spirit of God says? Are you in unison with the spirit of God to get the God results? Or is your voice in line with a mind, will, and emotions that is not renewed to the word of God and you are speaking the things of the enemy and you're getting exactly what you don't want because you think it's a cool thing to be talking about, oh, you know, I did this, I did that, and you know, this hurts so bad and so-and-so has this. So you take the word of God and you change. I wanted to do, one of the things I wanted to do on this one was to put like a wild man. I have this picture of this woman. She's got red hair. And she's got it pulled out on both sides. And every now and then I like to go to look at it because, you know, it's kind of like what things are going on, how they're going on, and she's got her hair pulled out. And then you got to decide, are you agreeing with her? Or are you agreeing with the Word of God? Where do you stand? You got pain hit your body? What are you talking? What are you talking? Are you talking to the pain and saying, listen to me, mind, will, and emotions, the Word of God says that I am healed. Yeah, but I have pain. The word of God says, I am healed. Whose report are you believing? Whose report? Yeah, but you don't understand it. It's affecting everything. Whose report do you believe? Yeah, but they think I'm crazy. Well, listen, if the truth was out, they think probably a lot worse sometimes than what you know. So, and you know, if they're talking about you, thank God somebody else is getting a break. Enjoy it. You know, so the, the mind, will, and emotions is an important factor. You are a spirit. What does that mean? God has sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means you are, so there's nothing wrong with your spirit. Your spirit is talking to God all the time. How much do you hear? Is your filter clogged? Don't you want a clean filter? Now, how does that pertain to healing? If, you, if we get a good concept that we are a spirit, we're hooked up with God, God wants us well. He said, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your 
soul, which is what? Mind, will, and emotions prospers. Now, when I teach in the, uh, when, I, when I teach at the school, one of the things I say, your feelings don't vote. Feelings don't vote. And I have a new friend, Mr. Tim here. He said I could, I could borrow his little saying. He's got to stomp out the ants. You know what the ants are? Is all of those things that come and tell you why it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. So Mr. Tim, now I gave you credit twice, talks about stomping out the ants. We have to stomp out the ants. But we never erase something. We replace it. And we replace it by the word of God. That's what we do. So how does that look? Well, God sent his word and healed me. And the body says, you better listen up. Because I'm going to send you some more pain as soon as you start doing this. You're going to have, you're going to wish you'd never said anything. You ever heard somebody say, I wish I would have never said that. The body talks. You hear it. All creation has ears. Dr. Kenny has a wonderful tape on it. All creation has ears. Everything has ears. Are you talking to that thing that was devil sent? against the will of God that is manifested in your body that you have tolerated and you allowed to be there because somebody tells you you're getting older and you know that's what happens. You get a little old, you forget things, you don't do this, you don't do that. Or you are resisting. Did you stand up? Get up, stand up, and speak it. What are you speaking? You can't say, oh, I'm not sick. Oh, I'm not sick. Oh, I'm not sick. Because that, there's no, there is no power in that. Where's the power? Word of God, right? Amen. So you take the Word of God and you say, well, the Word declares that by His stripes I am healed. Now you listen up, knee pain. You listen up, back pain. You listen up, poor eyesight. I'm talking to you and you have ears to hear. And I'm telling you, according to Mark 11, 23 and 24, you be removed and you be cast in the sea and you get going. I've had enough in the name of Jesus. No, my body's healed. My body's whole. So how do healed people act? Healed. They don't get on the phone and say, oh, honey, I need help. They declare the word of God. And if you've got some uh, four crazy friends like I do, we call one another or we text one another and say, Whoo, all right, here's the scripture of the day. Or listen, stand with me. We don't talk the trash. We don't allow one another to talk to trash. Now, we may go in the pit for a minute to help somebody out. You know how that is. You know, somebody's really having a hard time. You may climb down in there, but you don't allow them to throw dirt on you. You don't allow them to talk the problem 25 different times, you know. And those of us that would know one another, it's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Now, sometimes we don't want to hear that because you have to get your mind, your will, and emotions, and you have to take authority of it. You're the one that has authority. You take authority over it, and you speak to what is wrong, and you tell it what God said. Now listen. You don't have to listen to me. You are going to listen to God, and I agree with God. Get him God. Just step out of the way. Let God do it. See, however much you want of the things of God is how much God is willing to give you. He's no respecter of persons. There is not an issue here represented today that's too hard for God. None of it. But we have this conception of, well, I've had this for, you know, 50, 60 years. You know, you got to get old and this is going to happen. Or, you know, that person was diagnosed with ABC disease. And, you know, anytime somebody has that, it's not long before they depart. 
you know, Delta was talking about earlier about people planning. They get a death sentence and they believe somebody who they have seen a handful of times in their life because they have certain designations behind their name. And there's a little picture that shows what they say is wrong with you. And it's like you pack your suitcase, close it up, and say, well, they know more than I do. And so I'm just going to not fight because that's what the enemy wants me to do. I'm not going to resist. I'm going to just fold in and eventually I'll do, I'm going to go home to see Jesus anyway. I'm going to see Jesus. Well, don't go early. Don't go sick. You got a course. He said you have rewards coming. I don't know about you, but I'm working to get rewards. That's what he said we could have, so you might as well believe for him. Don't go early. Don't go sick. Renew your mind to the things of God and what God says. You know, Healing Center, a couple years back, maybe it's more than a couple, um, this um, couple got married, and for their honeymoon, they came to the Healing Center. And they both had some ailments in their body, I guess probably quite a few. But at the end of the time, they both left whole, healed. And they were 80 plus years old. 80 plus. 80 what? 90 plus. Excuse me, I had my details wrong. 90 plus and left healed. We have, I hope we have wetted your whistle a little bit. There's so much more to tell you. But if you will separate your body, your body goes along for the ride. The filter, clean your filter. Repent if you got something. Receive forgiveness. Don't let the devil beat you up ever again. If you've done something wrong, repent. And then receive it. Now I tell myself, and because this is a big issue where healing is concerned, is forgiveness. You don't know how much the team and I have had opportunity to be offended over the last, since planning this convention. We've had so much opportunity to be offended. And I think there was special messengers sent to give us extra. And we just look at one another and say, guard your heart. I refuse to be offended. I forgive. I forgive. And then the thing about it is you think, okay, what did I do wrong? How did I do this or what did I do? But you know what? I forgive myself. Receive forgiveness. That unforgiveness is one of the things that blocks healing. If you just say, listen, I forgive. You know, maybe if you've had a loved one that departed. Now, I've had several that were very close to me that departed. And, you know, I get mad, but what I do is I get mad at the devil. But there's a lot of things in between. There. I think, okay, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done What if I would have done? And God showed me one time years ago. He said, if you had done everything 180 degree different, the devil would come after you and tell you you should have done it this way. You never win. So don't fight in the carnal. Everything with this earth suit touches the carnal, the five physical senses. If you're fighting the fight in the carnal realm, you're going to lose every time because whose dominion is it? Satan's in dominion. But if you fight in the spirit, he can't see spiritual things. You know, he said the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? What is one of the best weapons we could ever use? Love. God is love. That means God is the word. But you know, when somebody injures you and hurts you or it's been mean to you and you 
actively forgive. Lord, as an act of my will, I release forgiveness. And Lord, I'm asking you if I've done anything wrong in here. I don't care how big or small, if I've done anything wrong, will you forgive me? And then I receive your forgiveness. Now, what happened at the cross? There was a great exchange, wasn't there? A big exchange. Jesus bought, paid it all. And then the exchange is he paid for poverty, right? So that we could be without any lack. I'm going to throw this one in. Psalms, 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Do needs or wants come first? Needs do, right? You want something to eat, you want air to breathe, you want uh, a warm house, your needs come. He didn't say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not need. You don't go to wants until needs are met, right? God said, speaking to you today, he is your shepherd, you shall not want. He said, all your needs are met according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That means he's already paid the price. When you go and release that forgiveness, release forgiveness to yourself, receive what he get, never let the enemy talk to you about it again. Say, oh, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean? What sin? No, what, what do you mean? Go, go away. Go talk to God. Why? Where does God put it? Far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more, right? So that means he puts in the sea of forgetfulness. What gives you the right to remember it? What gives you the right to pick up the hammer and start hitting yourself? What, what, you know, when you look at it that way, it's, that's foolishness. You know, what are you doing? I'm beating myself up. How does that make any sense? Say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the needs are met. Do you know how to access? Do you know how to tap in to have your needs met? you know how to receive your healing today? If you're not born again, do you know how to receive Jesus? So you, you depart that you spend eternity in heaven instead of eternity in hell. It's not a place you even want your enemy to go. If you know anything at all about the Bible, hell is real. But he didn't make it for you or me or any of us. That's a whole other thing. So you are a spirit. You commune with God via spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotion, which is your filter. Your filter has to be clean. And you have to have an earth suit to live in this time. And the earth suit is what we all see. So we have to armor up. We have to be quick to hear. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. A lot of things. So when did he do all this? When did he do all of that? It was all done before the foundation of the world, wasn't it? When was it paid for? Paid for at the cross. When will you receive it? What are you waiting for? So I hope we wet your whistle. And I would like for you to, uh, I invite you to come back. Sunday morning, we have, healing, we have a service that is healing focused. And our precious Reverend Velda is going to be doing the service. And then Sunday night, you know anybody that needs healing in their body. This place should be packed out with people. Because the power of God is present. You don't have to have anybody pray for you. You can purpose in your heart to receive right now. And the anointing is present right now to receive. So whatever you need, 
receive, reach out, trust God. Dare to believe that he will do what he said in his word, that he will do it for you. When is faith? Tomorrow? Someday? When is faith? Now. Now. Faith is now. And then tomorrow, some of these things, we got a little taste of what we're going to do, but we're going to deep dive tomorrow into the things of healing. And we've got some great speakers um, coming in. And we're, we're not just, we're going to start on the surface, but we're going down into some areas that people don't typically go in conferences. And we're, gonna, we're just going to dissect some things that God says. If you want to know anything more about healing, please sign up. We have um, lunch provided. There is a $20 fee for the, for the workshop tomorrow. But you, plus, we have door prizes, all sorts of good stuff. But we have some anointed speakers that carry the power of God inside of them and are there to deliver. So I hope you've learned something there. I hope God has pierced the darkness in you. And then we invite you to come back. And we thank you so very much. And I want to remind you that the book things. And there's one of my favorites that are out there that Velda did a long time ago. Well, I would, let me, let me just say that before I tell you about this. He said, um, I just heard the Lord say, don't be weary in well-doing. You know, go ahead and put out what you need. And God said, he's there to meet your need. He's, his hand is not slack. He said, I'm not short to heal. I don't do a pullback. He said, the fullness belongs to you. It belongs to you. What do you need today? God, you know, God's not rationing either. He's a good God. He loves you. He wants you whole more than you want to be whole a lot of times. You ever thought, well, I can deal with this. This is not a big thing. And so we deal with things over the years and just never really come to and get where we get totally released, totally, totally full of the things of God. But the truth of the matter is, if you will fill up your spirit with the word of God, that if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does it dwell in you? The same spirit that raised Jesus from, where was he? Where was he? He was in hell, wasn't he? Because if he didn't go, you would. I would. All of us would. That same spirit that reached down and pulled him out of, can't you see the devil saying, party, 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 we got it, boy, this is it, nothing can stop us now. Can't you hear the rumble of hell when it started to happen? Can't you hear when Jesus come up out of there? What's going on? What's going on? You know, when somebody I loved went early, I talked to pastor about it. I said, let's go. Let's get him out of the deepest parts of hell, things that... The devil never thought he would lose. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Let's go after him. Let's bring him out. Let's tell him about Jesus. Jesus wants him well. He desires that nobody perish. All to come to saving knowledge. So Velda has this teaching because we have to walk through life. And she has this teaching on tape about taking, can uh, taking cancer medicine and having zero side effects. And how to take medicine 
how to take the medicine, the word of God, while you're taking natural medicine that sometimes is designed to kill your body, kill things in your body, how to take it without any side effects. And I encourage you today, if you've had a dehabilitating disease, somebody's diagnosed you that you don't think right, you don't act right, you don't do things, is there's hope. God sent his word and healed you, delivered you from every bit of destruction. Thank you for joining us today. We're very grateful. We look forward to seeing you this weekend. Do you want to, Pastor Bob, you want to dismiss us in prayer, please? Sure. Thank you. Let's stand up. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you so much for your word tonight. Father, we thank you for the honor we have as the family of God coming together. And Father, we just pray for your, your, your presence, not only that is here, but to go with us as we go. So we know you never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, we just uh, speak a great night's sleep. You give your beloved sweet sleep. We speak sweet sleep and, and rest and refreshing that and can come back tomorrow. If you're not coming back for the workshop, be here Sunday or Sunday night. And we speak the peace of God. We speak Psalms 91, protection over us. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' magnificent name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Go in the grace of God. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.